Welcome to the Red Letter Christians podcast. Red Letter Christians gets our name from the Bibles that highlight the words of Jesus in red. And we're aspiring to live as if Jesus meant the stuff he said. We know that the loudest, most prominent voices representing Christianity in America haven't always been the most beautiful or the most faithful voices. And we know that the way we change the narrative is by changing the narrators. We are committed to amplifying the voices of people who are dedicated to Jesus and to justice. How much longer will justice hey, everybody, with Brother Jeff Hood, the Reverend Dr. Jeff Hood out in Oklahoma, walking, your feet are sore, but the sun is shining. Um, and you know, first of all, for folks that are not aware of the backdrop that's happening here, Oklahoma is one of the um, the the real eyes of the storm when it comes to the battle for life and death, uh, the the fight for alternatives to the the death penalty. Um, uh, you know, for folks that, that may not have the death penalty on your radar. Um, we we only have a handful of states in the United States that are actively executing and we're fighting state by state uh, to abolish the death penalty. We're one of the only countries in the world that's actively executing. We're always in the top 10, uh, often in the top five countries with the most executions in the entire world. Uh, and, and there's a few states that are still holding on to it. Incidentally, these are states with a deep uh, history um, uh, when it comes to uh, racism and um, uh, states that held on to slavery the longest are the same states that have held on to the death penalty. States uh, like Texas and Florida, where we see some of the the, the most uh, troubling policies in our country are also uh, the states where we see the death penalty lingering. I mean, the good news is that there are fewer and fewer executions. We're fighting hard. We need everybody in this battle because every life uh, matters. And almost every year, a new state abolishes the death penalty. Um, and so that's good news. Virginia, a few years ago, became the first formerly Confederate state to abolish the death penalty. So these statewide coalitions are working hard. Oklahoma has one of those. Uh, the Oklahoma Coalition to Abolish the Death Penalty uh, has been work doing this work for for a lot of years, there's also groups like uh, conservatives concerned about the death penalty and Equal Justice USA that are working on it. But Reverend Jeff and I work with an organization called Death Penalty Action, which is mobilizing nationally. And we're doing our best to support the local coalitions and the movement on the ground. But we also believe that uh, this, this is uh, th this is an emergency uh, where people's lives are at stake and we need to act like it, right? We, we need to mobilize like it and we need public actions. Um, one of the things that we've been doing in my home state, just to kind of finish up the backdrop for what Reverend Jeff is doing, is um, as Tennessee began executions after about 10 years without one, we began a March for Mercy 
where we would walk from death row, which is also where the execution chamber is. And every time there's an execution in Tennessee, we have a March for Mercy. And it's about nine miles from the uh, death chamber and, the, and Tennessee's death row to the Capitol. And it's a powerful way to bear witness in the streets. Um, it was also prompted by the men on Tennessee's death row who invited Governor uh, Bill Lee, the governor of Tennessee, to come and pray with them and hear their stories, their testimonies of what, for many of them, what Jesus has done in their life before he continues to carry out executions. So there's a whole precedence for these public actions. Obviously, marching has a rich history and all kinds of social movements. And uh, brother, I think you're in the middle of it, right? About a, a hundred and twenty miles. Is that what it is that you're walking, man? Yeah, it's oh yeah, over that. Yeah, it's just uh like you said, we come from a long tradition of walkers and marchers. Yes. And where uh, are you at in the middle of that right now, man? You're you're kind of at the tail end. Right, right? We're right on the outskirts of uh, Oklahoma City, and uh, we'll march into Oklahoma City. Tomorrow uh, should be joined by uh, a number of friends and allies. And uh, Shane, as I was saying, uh, when we were talking earlier, um, you know, it's interesting how, uh, you know, when you go on these marches and these walks, how beauty tends to find us. Mm. You know, you're not just, not just marching for Anthony Sanchez, not just marching for the guys on death row here in Oklahoma, people affected by his executions all over the uh, the world, but you're also just marching to connect with your fellow human beings, yeah. uh, realizing that there's there's beauty and the image of God is, uh, you know, is all over the place. Yeah. And so we connect with life. We create life. And so that, I think that's what this uh, march has been about. It's certainly to save Anthony Sanchez's life, but it's a matter of also finding the image of God and everywhere we step. Yeah. And I know a lot of people are listening in on the podcast and stuff, but you should, uh, for folks that are on the live stream here, uh, flash that camera around to the the Basilica or the cathedral there with you. That was powerful, man. It was just tolling its bells a minute ago. There it is. And I'm sure you're getting like, uh, uh, there's a lot of people of faith in Oklahoma. In fact, there's a whole, uh, uh, fresh movement called Oklahomans for Grace that is uh, uh, made up primarily of Christians that really find their faith at odds with killing other folks. You know, that uh, the saying of Jesus, let the one who's without sin cast the first stone, blessed are the merciful. And are you, you know, I'm, I'm sure you get a mixed response, but as you're walking, you know, mile after mile and cars and people are passing you, you're doing your best to show them some love and a smile. Um, do you feel that reciprocated? Is it a mixed bag? Uh, what's the response, well, you know, Ben? You know, uh, I think, uh, you know, probably me and you, Shane, are of a gener generation where they used to say, uh, well, don't be so heavenly minded. You're of no earthly good. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, everybody throws around something like that. But I do think that there is a, a sense in which when you feel God's power, God's grace and God's strength when you're doing something like this, you don't want to be, you know, above everyone else. But at the same time, the, you know, somebody saying something or something like that, it just doesn't affect you as much because you feel like, uh, you know, you're not marching alone. 
you're uh, you're marching with God. You're marching with uh, the very presence of Christ. And so, you know, I, I mean, we've had a couple of people say, you know, negative things or something like that. But for the most part, uh, I've forgotten about all of that. But I remember all of the really positive uh, conversations. The people who, you know, take a second to stop and say, you know, who is Anthony Sanchez? And uh, Shane, I think that that reveals the probably the most difficult aspect of uh, this issue. It's not that uh, I don't think most people at the end of the day are all that zealous and hungry to kill people. I think most people are just so busy that they don't know what's going on. Yeah, and it's good. It's I, good to cause a little, uh, a little interruption, a, a little, a little uh, pause, a moment. Uh, right. And I think that's. I mean, I mean, ultimately, sh- surely that's what the gospel is supposed to do, anyways, is to yeah. kind of cause that uh, that interruption. And I, and Shane, I know that you do this in your work, but it's almost like sometimes I feel like when I'm doing this work, it's about the death penalty, but I also feel like an evangelist. I mean. I feel like I'm out here, you know, sharing the love of God by saying, hey, look, this person on death row is worthy of our love. They're worthy yeah. of our grace. They're worthy of our mercy. And if that's the case, you are, too. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're right. There is a precedent. I mean, half of the gospel stories are Jesus walking somewhere and getting interrupted. Somebody pulling on a shirt or saying we ran out of wine or my daughter's sick. Can you come visit me? So uh, there's there's that that precedent. Um, And, you know, so I I, I want to, you know, that question you've been asked, who is Anthony Sanchez? I want you to share a little bit about that because this is about a person and it's someone that, you know, I think you talk to Anthony almost every night Um, and proximity makes all the difference, right? For everybody listening in, you know, um, not all of us get the chance to uh, be with folks who are on death row, but more and more people that really desire to build those relationships can. And by the way, death penalty action, we are in relationship with the victims too, the the murder victims, family members, folks who have survived unimaginable violence to themselves and their family, but they walk away with this conviction that violence is the problem, not the solution. Uh, and, and so during all of our vigils that we hold a death penalty action around every execution that's happening in this country, we begin by remembering the victims. But then we also know that what the death penalty does is create a new victim. It mirrors the very uh, premeditated evil that we are really trying to speak out against. And so the means has to reflect the ends you know we we need uh we we need a better form of justice than trying to kill to show that killing's wrong and it and it makes a difference when you know folks and jeff has been um a spiritual counsel for a number of people on death row some of whom have been executed and was recently actually uh counsel in the uh spiritual counsel in the uh execution chamber um and so um you know Share a little bit about that proximity, man, and why why this is about a human being, and it's about a person that's made in the image of God, and that's what fuels you. Right. Yeah, you know, Shane, I know that uh, you and I met over a decade ago um, around this issue, and, you know, that was around the time that I'd first gotten, uh, you know, started and engaged uh, doing this work with guys on death row. I think I've um, 
I've had over, um, I think at this point, about 15 guys that I've worked with who have been executed um, just this year. I've had, uh, I've been in the chamber with two guys who were executed, one in Oklahoma and the other in Texas, Scott Eisenberg in Oklahoma and uh, Arthur Brown in Texas. And, you know, it's, uh, it's overwhelming to, uh, to just see what humanity is capable of. Mm. I mean, you know, I know we oftentimes people say that in a positive way, but I guess I'm saying it in sort of negative way of, you know, how we're able to just sear our soul and just kill somebody as if it's, you know, just no big deal. Um, and, you know, like I said earlier, you know, most of the people in Oklahoma have no idea that an execution is coming up in uh, a week's time. Um, yeah. You know, every t- that's one of the things every time we do one of these vigils for death penalty action. Um, it's very clear that most people have absolutely no idea that this is happening. With that said, I mean, I have always felt like my um, proximity to these uh, folks who are uh, about to be executed, who are on death row, uh, is about telling the world who these people are and um, and advocating for them, fighting for them, not just to um, save their, save their, the work is not just about saving their soul, but it's also about saving their life. Because mm-hmm. if you don't do both, then you're not ministering to the complete person. And so, you know, when I, uh, work with these guys it's about ministering to the totality of who they are the complete person and so with anthony we have uh we have been talking every night at eight o'clock for uh for almost a year now and you know obviously you get to know somebody pretty well uh when you're having that frequency of conversation and uh you know you get to know people's uh their hurts you get to know their their joys, their aspirations, their hopes, and um, it, it makes it even more, um, I guess, disturbing and uh, destructive to see that just snuffed out in an instance, and uh, uh, something that uh, is almost a, a, a ritual of uh, bloodlust that's taking place uh, in these different different states. One of the things that uh, I was thinking about today, um, I had to quickly attend a meeting um, for um, the. Hey, Shane, I'm going to walk over here to get my phone on the charger. It's dying, but yeah, as yeah. I'm as I'm walking, I was just going to say that uh, one of the things they kept on saying is we want to make sure, um, and they, you know, they know me. I'm. I guess a little bit wilder of an activist, if you will. But uh, they said, we want to make sure we protect the sanctity and the dignity of the process. Mm. And and so what you're talking about, I'm talking about, you know, uh, a friend. I'm talking about a person. I'm talking about Anthony, who is somebody that, you know, I deeply love and, you know, who is uh, such a part of my life. And here they are talking about keeping up the sanctity and dignity of killing him. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it's, it's uh, like I said, it changes everything when you're actually able to make that connection. 
Yeah. And, you know, as, as you're sharing that, one of the things that popped in my mind was um, uh, our brother, uh, Ron McAndrew, who um, is one of the subjects of a, of a documentary series that we've been making, which is um, the people versus the death penalty. And you can see this um, on, on death penalty action website, but we did an interview with him. I interviewed him for my book, uh, executing grace, but he was a prison warden. He's still alive. He was a prison warden down in Florida that oversaw executions by electric chair. And as he carried these out, it absolutely haunted him. I mean, he saw one that went um, was a real botched execution. And I won't go into the gruesome details, but he was just like, I'm done with the electric chair. And he went to Texas to actually learn lethal injection because he thought it would be a more sanitized way of killing right. someone. And he brought right. it back and he carried out these executions in Florida. And then he says over, I mean, it's so powerful when he says it, cause he's still, uh, you know, a political conservative. He's a tough on crime, you know, kind of guy. He's a prison warden, but he said, there's just no good way to kill someone. And he says, it does something to us. And, 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 you know, he talked about even as they carried out lethal injections, they try to sterilize it and sanitize it. They make it look like a medical procedure, right? Where there's doctors involved. And yet at the end of the day, uh, someone's dead. And, and it, it wasn't just a system that killed them, but it was a system made up of human beings that, that divided the tasks up of taking someone's life and now have that burden to bear. And so he's become, you know, a real credible voice um, right. uh, as a former, you know, prison warden and executioner right. and many of the doctors that have carried out these execution have become abolitionists. You know, they've said we this is a violation of our oath to do no harm. We can't um, in good conscience participate in the machinery of death. So, you know, we're hoping that more and more voices of courage and conscience have that. You know, I mean, th this is not just a system killing. It's people that are participating in that in Oklahoma. And yeah, so, system, you know, maybe system, somebody's listening that, 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 you know, they can right. say, I can't I can't do it. I can't comply this, with this, it. Yeah, that's, I mean, I think that that's one of the things that we try to to almost say to separate ourselves. Like, for instance, even with our government, we say, well, the U.S. government is doing this. The state of Oklahoma is doing this. The state of Tennessee is doing this. It's like, no, we are doing this. And if yeah. we don't see ourselves as part of the we, then how can we, uh, you know, we, we can't keep up that level of separation. That's one of the things that, you know, I thought about, Shane, as I was talking about Anthony, when Scott Eisenberg was executed um, January, uh, January the 12th, earlier this year, the execution was taking place. And as I saw uh, the initial drug um, go into his system, hmm. it's a paralytic. He starts to, you know, uh, doze off and whatnot. I just started shaking violently. Like just, you know, just, I thought I was, I really thought I was going to collapse. And yeah. uh, to the point where um, the, uh, the guy, one of the guys who was directing the execution, he asked, um, are you going to be able to stay in here? Um, and, you know, when I got done and I was uh, talking to Emily, my wife, and, uh, you know, she was saying, you know, what were what was happening to you in those moments? I said, you know, I had gotten so close to Scott um, and I had our souls had become so intertwined that it felt like 
my soul was being ripped apart from his soul. It felt mm. like that, that, that this relationship that God had brought together was being ripped apart. Mm. And, um, you know, and I think a lot of people are able to see these executions and say, well, you know, that's somebody who did something really bad or, uh, you know, that's, that's, that has nothing to do with me. And I just have thought to myself, you know, if people had to feel that ripping of the soul, mm. if they had to feel the pain of those moments, the, the death penalty would be no more. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but we're doing these things in closet, Shane. I mean, yeah. these things are happening in these small, oftentimes small Southern cities in you know, these small places and nobody sees them, nobody's engaging them. And so, you know, just to bring it full circle to Anthony Sanchez, if everybody in the state of Oklahoma had to watch this, we wouldn't have any more executions. But right now, uh, it's very clear that the state of Oklahoma, the people of Oklahoma intend to do this in secret. And, you know, when we keep on keeping all of these secrets, um, you know, we, we keep up the darkness, we keep up the evil. But if we can bring things to the light, if we can bring these relationships to the light, if we can bring what is happening to the light, then I think it is then the light that we can be healed. Yeah. And, and, and you know, as, as uh, we think about Oklahoma, um, Oklahoma um, began this backlog of executions. Um, at one point, it was 25 executions that have been lined up. And uh, together with our friends there in Oklahoma, we set up a cross with each of those names uh, that are of, of folks facing, you know, uh, the possibility of their execution. And I think we've got the victims uh, names also that we're remembering uh, in that list. But um, they they made it 25 because they said we can only do about one for every three or four weeks because they knew that it would traumatize the people that are carrying these out. So somehow they calculated this, right? And this is just where, where it just makes you sick in your stomach that they literally know what this does to people that are tasked with the job of, of killing someone. And so they're spacing these out over two years. And um, I mean, in some of these corrections facilities, the, the officers have known folks for, decades and they've mm -hmm. seen seen the change in their life and so they even have to hire sometimes outside death squads execution teams to carry these out so it isn't so personal but all of that you know it reminds me of jesus where people are washing their hands trying to act like they're not killing someone everyone's like um trying to pass the burden to someone else. And our, you know, the system kind of does that. You got a, you know, death warrant that's signed. You've got a board of pardons and parole that sort of green lights it. You got a jury and a judge and all of these prosecutors. And uh, all of it is, you know, to try to divide the, this burden so that we feel like, yes, we have a system that kills, but none of us really, all of our hands are kind of clean. But at the end of the day, um, it haunts us. And, and I think of one of those voices of courage there in Oklahoma is our brother, Adam Luck, who was the head of the pardon and parole board. And he was appointed by Governor Stead in Oklahoma. And his faith in his conscience, um, in his own words, meant 
He always had to leave room for mercy and to leave room for the possibility uh, of of someone to be uh, Mm -hmm. redeemed. And he also said, we know that our system is not perfect. And this is why many conservatives are also saying, we're never going to get it right. And how can you entrust this irreversible power of life and death to a broken criminal justice system, a government that is imperfect? Uh, I mean, how many folks are innocent people are we willing to kill in order to justify the killing of someone that we believe is guilty? And so this is all, Adam Luck is one of those voices of conscience, but we need more and more. That's right. You know, you're doing your act of courage, but I think it invites us all right to kind of say, what can I do right now to raise my voice, to stand in solidarity, uh, to stand up for life and for mercy? Right. You know, Shane, I just, uh, you know, I think very quickly to uh, the story of the woman called an adultery, you know, the the most powerful piece of that uh, verse to me, you know, I was always told growing up, you who are without sin, cast the first stone. And there's all of those pieces that uh, I guess rise to the top. But one of the things that I think about that we don't talk about a whole lot is the fact that Jesus placed his very body into the conversation. Mm. That if the stones had started flying, he was ready to die with this woman. Mm. And I think that sometimes when we talk about giving our lives to the gospel, we think of the gospel as this, you know, grand thing that is, you know, up in the sky. But the gospel is these guys who are on death row amongst the whole host of people that Jesus calls the least of these. Mm. And the question is, are we going to put our bodies into the conversation or are we going to hang back and watch the stones start flying and watch people mm. continue mm. to die? And and I I, I want to say when I was out there, um, you know, when I've I've gotten to know folks that are I I know like you I know folks that I believe were in are innocent of the crimes that they are being executed for, and I know folks that have been executed that were fully transparent that they were guilty for the crimes. But as you know, our brother and our friend Brian Stevenson says, we are all more than the worst thing that we've ever done. And so some of this is, it goes to the very heart of the gospel, y'all. And and it's Christ that said, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. I didn't come for the righteous, but for sinners. And this is about, do we believe that God's grace is meant for everybody? Do we believe that a murderer like Moses or Saul of Tarsus or David uh, is beyond redemption? And, and uh, you know, the, the Bible would be a lot shorter without grace. So uh, let, let's keep talking. We're going to like, you're, you've got a little bit more walking to do, but then you're delivering this letter, right? Uh, tell us about, you know, the kind of the yep. trajectory of the march, bro. Well, while we got everybody... Um... Anthony is by no means, uh, you know, Einstein or a Rhodes Scholar or anything like that. He's been in prison since he was 18 years old. And, uh, you know, this is not somebody who, you know, is going to to win any sort of literary prizes. But he is able to say, I am innocent. I did not do this. I am writing you, Governor Stitt, because you have the authority and the ability to help me. He talks about uh, the 60-day reprieve. He talks about the new new lawyers that he has. Um, he's got new lawyers as of a few weeks ago. Um, but 
the interesting thing is, um, I, and I've, I've thought about this as I've walked, I've, it's kind of circled through my, through my head. I've, you know, I know various verses and, um, you know, various thoughts about, uh, I guess all of the things you think about when you think of life and hope and grace and mercy. But one of the things, one of the lines that keeps on going through my head from this is I am writing you because you have the authority and the ability to help me. Mm. Certainly he's writing to governor Stitt, but he's also writing to us. We have the authority and the ability to help him. Yeah. And not just him, but also, you know, all of these guys, we have the authority and the ability. And I think to myself, okay, well, what is the, what is the authority at the danger of starting to preach Shane? What does the authority look like? We are children of God. We are made in the image of God. We have the authority to Mm. love each other. Mm. What is the ability Deep within us, we all have the ability to get over ourselves and love our neighbor, even when it's difficult to do. Yeah. yeah. I am writing you. I am talking to you because you have the authority and the ability to help me. Ooh, and we're going to be continuing to follow you, uh, brother. And uh, we've got a... Uh, a piece that we're, we'll be putting on the Red Letter Christian website. We actually have a voicemail that uh, you helped us get from Anthony, so um, we we can hear from him. You know, in his own voice, his own words. Uh, um, and and we'll be praying for you. We'll be praying well, for him. Uh, before we go, I'm going to pray. But to, to give us any closing words, man. Real yeah. quick, before you pray, I want to. Um, the website is freeanthonysanchez.com. It's also .org. Whichever one you put in, you'll get there. Free but Anthony Sanchez. Yeah. Free Anthony Sanchez.com. And um, I wanted to quickly point out, Shane, before you pray, is that this is a particularly heartbreaking situation in that um, there's a lot of suspicion that his father might have been the actual killer. And, um, you know, his father has come in and out as a suspect. So it's not just having this conversation with him about guilt and innocence. It's about, you know, him saying I'm innocent and, you know, us kind of saying, well, that might mean that your father left you on death row for decades to rot uh, and never came forward, never helped. Mm. Again, it's difficult in all of these cases to be. 100% certain um, about anything. But what I am certain about is that uh, Anthony Sanchez is a heartbroken individual who is thinking about a lot of different things, struggling with a lot of different things right now and needs our prayers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, certainly go look at the evidence, certainly watch the film, certainly do all that. But most of all, pray. Because I believe that prayer can do so much. And, uh, you know, I certainly pray that, that he'll live, certainly pray that we'll get a stay, certainly pray that this will happen. But most of all, pray that Anthony will feel and know the very presence of God, no matter what happens. Mm, mm, mm. 
you know, I, I was as I was listening to you, I saw my, my head duck over, and I don't know if you can see that uh, right behind me. That lighthouse, uh, there's an orange <laughs> lighthouse back in my closet that was made by Don Johnson uh, in Tennessee, and um, and I got to know him a lot over almost ten years before he was executed, and was with him right before his execution. And he's one of those that uh, was very. Uh, transparent about what he did and it was horrible uh-huh. and um he really found um faith in Jesus and he did a lot to try to restore the relationship with his daughter and to heal what wounds that he could heal and um and uh I I'll never forget you know as he gave he gave me the the lighthouse back there I've left it there to remember that his light's still shining you know uh-huh. um and he died he he actually died at singing he he asked if he could sing hymns, and he, so he, his last words were singing, soon and very soon, I'm going to see the king, you know. There's no more dying there, no more crying there. But I also think, like, the world's not better off without Don Johnson in it, you know. I mean, his story was a gospel story, the power of God's grace. Um, and, um, and and I, I you know, I, I think that's why this is, you know, deeply spiritual to, to us. Uh, and and, you know, for folks in Oklahoma, there's a whole lot of Christians in Oklahoma. Uh, Gov- Governor Stitt is in church on most Sunday mornings. And so we're praying for him to pull out the best of his faith. You know, it's, it's hard to imagine. It's impossible to imagine Jesus saying, Governor Stitt, I wish you had killed Anthony Sanchez. But we can certainly, certainly imagine Jesus saying, thank you, Governor Stitt, for showing mercy. Um, and as much as you forgive, you'll be forgiven. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. This um, this is about how God, how good God is, even when we're not. And I don't know, you know, what happened. You're much closer than me, brother Jeff. I don't know. You know, I I think we should all watch the film. We should all um, realize that um, that our system is so terribly uh, uh, messed up that right now, um, uh, this is our track record, is for every eight executions that's carried out, there's one exoneration, one person that was actually able to prove their innocence, who was on death row, sentenced to die. I mean, that's an unbelievable track record. And uh, And just, you know, just we're having this conversation. I mean, yesterday, um, the... uh, the district attorney uh, here in Oklahoma County uh, dropped charges against Glenn Simmons, yeah. who is on the way to exoneration. So we're, you know, we're, we're yeah. in a place, you know, we're in Oklahoma sitting in a juxtaposition of about to carry out an execution in a week and just exonerated someone from death row. Unbelievable. That was there for almost 50 years. He was incarcerated. He was on death row for some of that, but he was, I mean, to imagine that someone was incarcerated for 48 years, I think it was right. Almost 50 years of their life taken from them for a crime they they had nothing to do with. And, And so this is why, you know, I met with a lot of those Republican, um, legislators in Oklahoma. And some of them believe that we need some criminal justice reform. We need some changes. And we want to say, please let that change begin with stopping these executions. 
Um, I always mean we we got a whole lot of other things we need to do, and stopping killing people should be right. Let's right. start there. Yeah, you know, and Shane, I uh, you know, you coming up and uh, you know, as I I guess matured in the faith. I mean, you certainly your early books were a part of this for me, but I mean, we those of us who have grown up in this space of the moral majority, you know, this kind of evangelical like based politic. I mean, what you begin to realize when you do this, uh, this work, Republican, Democrat, you know, any type of person you can describe politically or otherwise, nobody is, nobody is innocent with regards to the death penalty. I mean, it is an entire, it is the people of Oklahoma executing someone, the people of Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee. It's not Republicans doing it. It's not Democrats doing it. It's the people. And I think that uh, it's our prayer has to be don't just change conservative hearts, but change all of our hearts. Don't just change progressive hearts, change all of our hearts so that together we might be able to walk in this newness of life that Mm. the gospel Mm. offers us. You. (laughs) I mean, let let me let me just uh, read this. Uh, I was thinking of this quote I just saw from Eli Wiesel, you know, who was. Uh, uh, just an incredible voice uh, of conscience. And um, he said this, there may be times when we are powerless to prevent injustice, but there must never be a time when we fail to protest. And I don't think that we are without power. I think we've got a, a mighty God and we got some people power in the streets. And thank you, Reverend Jeff, for representing us as you're walking. But I also think when we feel like um, this system is unstoppable. Let's remember we have a big God, but let's also remember that we've got to raise our voice uh, because every social change that has happened in the world, um, it looked impossible before it happened. And, Mm -hmm. and, 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 and we make history happen. And I really believe that, you know, a generation from now, our children and grandchildren are going to look back at the death penalty like we look back at slavery, right? And think, how in the world did we think that was okay? And how did we use the Bible to defend it? So uh, this is a time that we need conscience and we need courage because uh, it doesn't take a whole lot of courage to say slavery is wrong, you know, a hundred years after it's ended, uh, you know, and, and so this is right. when we need those voices. So I want to pray for us, man, because we do believe in prayer. But any closing words, bro, any ways that people can it makes follow me, you? you know, it makes me this conversation makes me think of uh, a beautiful song. When the saints go marching in, mm. you know, the saints are marching. We are going to beat this death penalty. We're going to end the death penalty. And I encourage you, everybody who's listening, me and you, everybody. I want to be in that number mm. when, as the saints go marching in. <laughs> if I had an organ, I would have started it right That's there, right. bro. <laughs> I want to be in that number. Well, thank you, my brother. I'll let you go. I know you got some miles still to kick out. We'll be following you. We're going to have a lot of it on our website and be tracking it. We've still got a number of days, y'all, that we can be calling Governor Stitt. And, and this is about Anthony Sanchez. It is about people with names who are made in the image of God, but it's also about people 
beyond Anthony Sanchez. So th- this is this is uh, about the, the upcoming execution, but there's a whole bunch more that are lined up in Oklahoma, and we don't want to we don't want to see a single another execution in our country. So let me pray for us, and um, I, I want to begin, sweet Jesus, by praying uh, for our brother. Anthony, that he would hear the whisper of your love mm. beyond all the noise or uncertainty or fear that he would hear that he is beloved, that he is your child made mm. in your image. I pray for Brother Jeff that he would uh, be a constant reinforcement of that love as he talks with him um, every night here in just a couple hours and every day. And there were, there are victims, Lord. There are, we don't know everything that happened, but we know that there are victims in this case and there are people uh, hurting from violence. And we pray for the victims, um, for those who are victims of murder, their family members. We pray that you would soften our hearts, that we would uh, believe in justice, but that we would also believe in redemption and restoration and that we you would heal the wounds in all of us i pray Mm. for the the church to be a conscience uh in oklahoma for folks like life church and craig groschel and and our our friends there uh all over oklahoma that are worshiping on sunday morning that they would uh be a voice of conscience we remember uh, our brother julius jones we remember richard glossop we remember all those on death row some of whom are facing uh the real possibility of execution. I pray for these legislators, some of whom I got to know and I got to hug and shake hands with. I pray that they would have moral courage right now to be a voice for life and for mercy. I pray for Governor Stitt. Oh God, that you would uh, remind them of who you are, Jesus. Mm. That you would remind them that you came for folks who are struggling that the good news is that we are all deserving of death, but you have freed us from that through your love and mercy. So may it change the way that we think about the death penalty and the power of the state, oh God. Uh, I, I pray for more and more folks like Adam Luck and for everyday legislators and uh, those that are a part of the correctional institutions that they would refuse to participate in the machinery of death. Hmm. And so God, uh, we pray that your most perfect will would be done. As you said, your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. And we can't help but believe that your dream for this world does not include the death penalty. That's right. So give us the imagination to believe in justice beyond execution. Thank you for death penalty action. Thank you for Oklahomans for grace, the coalition there in Oklahoma to abolish the death penalty, everybody working together. Make us one as you are one, that we might be a force for life. Thank you for everybody listening in around the country and across the world. May we continue to fight uh, globally for the end of the death penalty once and for all. And may we do it, many of us, 
in the name of the executed and risen Savior, Jesus. Amen. 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 We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Red Letter Christians podcast. Too often, Christians have used our faith as a ticket into heaven and a license to ignore the world we live in. But at Red Letter Christians, we believe our faith is not just about going to heaven when we die, but also about bringing heaven to earth while we live. For more information on Red Letter Christians and upcoming events, additional resources, you can go to the show notes or our website, redletterchristians.org. You can also support Red Letter Christians by giving a one-time donation or becoming a monthly sustainer. Just go to our website and click the red donate button. Thank you for being a part of this conversation and for being a part of this movement.